I invite you now to turn to 1 Samuel 17 in your Bible. If you do not have a Bible, if there's a pew Bible near you, you can find our sermon text on page 224. It's a very long chapter. It's 58 verses. We're not going to read all 58 verses. So stay with me as I announce uh, what verses we're reading. Let us hear now the reading of God's holy and inerrant word. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 1 through 11. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sokah, which belongs to Judah and a camp between Sokah and Hezekiah and Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield bearer went before him. He stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now verse 20 through 27. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine 
that he should defy the armies of the living God. And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. Now, verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose again against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. This is the word of the Lord. We come to this morning one of the most famous stories in 1 Samuel, and probably all of the Bible. And it's so often that this story can be misread. We have a tendency in life to misread a lot of things. We misread people all the time. We misread uh, situations. We misread problems. And in this case, we misread the battle. And so we want to talk about that today, about what is this battle really about? Is it really about our personal giants that we slay? Or is this about the honor of the living God? We heard that word over and over as the scripture was read, defy defy, defy the living God. We'll see that David never mentions that Goliath is defying him. Goliath is defying the living God. And so the way we're going to look at this battle is we're going to look at it three ways, and we're going to see first how the battle is to be surveyed, what it looks like. Second, we're going to talk about how the battle is fought. And third, how the battle is won. When you start in the beginning of chapter 17, you see who the enemy is. It's the Philistine. Philistine is the common foe of Israel. They fight many times. In fact, the Philistines have taken uh, the Ark of the Covenant at one time and brought it in their temple. And there their god, Dagon, paid the price. Because there they had taken something that belonged to the living God. And so when we look at this battle, the text describes to us where it took place. It took place where the Philistines lived. They lived on the edge of the Mediterranean. They were the cities by the sea. The word of God would refer to it. And in our understanding, it's it's the Gaza Strip. It's where the conflict that's taking place right now was taking place there in the Bible. There seems to be a common theme in that area that there's conflict And what happened is the Philistines had encroached upon the land that belonged to God's covenant people. 
they had come into the southwest part of Judah. And as they would come, they were going on the path to go to Jerusalem. And so the God's people comes out, forms a line. They both get in their camps to get ready for battle. And what we see here is that each were on one mountain, and then the other, Israel, was on another mountain. The Philistines, one mountain, Israel on the other. In between, there was a valley. Nowhere do we see neutral ground. Because that's the battle that's taking place. When we're talking about the battle for the honor of God, you're on one mountain or you're on the other. You're either on the mountain of the Philistines who oppose the living God, or you're on the mountain of the Israelites where the covenant people of God are. And so we can also see what's taking place in this battle is that Israel is being taunted and ridiculed by Goliath the giant. They're being demoralized so much because they see his size. He's huge. He's probably over nine feet tall. He has weapons to the tilt. He has armor to the tilt. And he's not afraid to let Israel know that he's ready for battle. And so Goliath is calling out to Israel, said, bring me a champion. Why that's important is because the way that battles were fought there in the Near East wasn't that all the armies came together and smashed together at one time to wipe each other out is that they picked a representative to come forward in battle to fight. And the reason why they did that, because during the Near East, the battles were being fought by countries for their God. For their God. It didn't matter if you had a million people in the army or you had one person coming to fight the champion of the foe. But it was a a testimony. It was speaking to whose God was stronger, whose God was more powerful. So it just seems like this is just some typical everyday battle, it seems, as we read in the Old Testament, happens between the Philistines and between the Israelites. Up until this point, the battle is godless. Not one word has been mentioned about the living God until David arrives on the scene. Until this young teenage shepherd boy arrives to the battle and hears the words of Goliath, the champion of the Philistines. And when David hears those words, he tells us what the battle's really about. Hear the words in verse 26. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? What David is talking about there is about covenant relationship with God. Those who are uncircumcised, they do not have a covenant relationship with God. And so David made it a theological issue. He approached this battle and said, it is about those who oppose God, who are not in covenant relationship with God, and those who are in covenant relationship with God. To David, it was a great affront for Goliath to be ridiculing his God. 
when Goliath spoke to Israel, he said, aren't you servants of Saul? Not servants of the living God, but servants of Saul. That was a great uh, disrespect to the living God. He's saying, you're not here. Israel's fighting a battle like God isn't there. And David comes along and says, the way the battle should be fought is in the name of the living God. Because you are the covenant people of God. Goliath isn't the covenant people of God. We are. And if we are the covenant people of God, then we have the living God on our side. Because Goliath served false gods made of wood and iron. But David and the people of Israel served a living God who was the creator of all things, who had shown that he would deliver Israel every single time. He was faithful to his people. And so when Goliath came out against the army of Israel, he was coming out against the living God. And so we've got to ask, why does that covenant relationship matter? That covenant relationship matters because as we see, there is no middle ground in our relationship with God. You are either intimately connected and joined to the living God or you're not. And if you're not, then you oppose the living God. You mock the living God. You ridicule the living God. But those who are in covenant relationship with God, they cling to him. They're married to him. They are joined to him in a special way that none other are. And God has promised to those who are in covenant relationship with him to be their God and they will be his people. Don't take that lightly. Because when we, if we are going to have a right relationship with God, if we're going to be on the right mountain in the battles that are going to take place in our life, we need to have a theological viewpoint of that. When the struggles in our life come and the hardships come, do we regard God first? Or are we looking at ourselves? Or are we regarding God? Or are we Goliath? Where we're saying, look how strong we are. Look how protected I am. Look how preserved I am. Or am I looking like David that looks to God? Here's a weak little youth, teenage boy that doesn't know anything about war in the way that the, those who are in the battle do at that very moment. But yet he sees it perfectly. He sees this is about God. And so when we live our life apart from him, we dishonor him. We are living as if the battle of our life or the way that we live is godless. God, you can only have a place in my life when I allow you to have a place in my life. Or I see that you're not here, you're weak. I'm here in the battle. And if I'm living that way, how, what's my posture? How am I going to be? We can see how Saul and Israel was. They were dismayed and greatly afraid because they didn't see the living God. David, we can't look at any motion or action that he takes showed any kind of fear whatsoever. And so when we live our lives in a way 
that God is not regarded, he's not acknowledged, he's not consulted, he's not spoken to, then we dishonor him. The people that were fighting the battle were God's people. And God's people who were fighting the battle had disregarded God. So if they can disregard God, we must be warned that can happen with us. If we're not careful, if we're not clinging on to our covenant relationship with God. Because the covenant relationship with God that we have is sure and firm. And it's not because of our power, but his power. That's what David was pointing out. And if we have a covenant relationship with God, then we have peace in the time of confusion. We'll have certainty even when all the times are uncertain. We'll have hope when everything around us says despair. We'll have fatherly correction when it seems no one's telling us how to live in relationship with God. We'll have strength in the times and the hours of our weakness. We'll have provision when it seems like we have nothing. We'll have leading when it seems we're directionless in our life. We'll have love when it seems that all we can see coming at us are taunts, our ridicule, our reproach, our hate. But the love of God never fails. The love of God never leaves us. The love of God will not fail us. So we, if we are God's people, We have our covenant relationship with God. We should cling to it because I promise you as Christians, doubts and fears will come into your life. It will attack you every single day. Are you good enough to be a child of God? Are you good enough? Are you living your life in a way that God will give you his grace? Because I don't deserve it now. I need to do something in order to earn it. And there I'm totally misunderstanding, misreading what grace is. I'm misreading what God has provided. And so be encouraged to acknowledge God in all your ways. Cling to your covenant relationship with him because it's life. The second way we're going to look at this battle is fighting the battle. The battle is being fought by two champions. When Goliath is calling for a champion, the one that should have came forward was Saul. Saul was taller than any Israelite, stronger than any Israelite, it's told to us in the word of God. But Saul didn't step forward. David's there taking care of the sheep, tending to the flock. And he comes because God called him, ordained him, sent him for the purpose of providing For his brothers. And so when we look at these two champions, they couldn't be any different if they tried. David was huge. I mean, Goliath was huge. David wasn't. Goliath had every part of armor that you could think of, every device that could protect you of this world, he was wearing. David comes as a shepherd comes not with any other weapons than a staff and a sling. He comes dressed in shepherd clothing and attire. And so what he's showing us is that he is trusting 
the Lord. Goliath, when he comes to the battle, notice where his confidence is in himself. When David comes to the battle, his confidence is in the Lord. Whose battle is it? It's the Lord's. It's not Goliath's, not even mine. It's the Lord's. It belongs to the Lord. And so his confidence is not in himself. It's not in his provisions. It's not in his tools. It's not in his armor. But it is in what God had done for him already. When he goes and he speaks to Saul, he tells Saul, when I was out there tending to the sheep and the bears and the lions would come up and take the sheep from the flock, I would grab it by the beard and I would take it back. I would kill it. And there he knows that God at that moment provided. God had provided him the strength to overcome. And so there we see that faith must be experienced David had something that Goliath will never have at that moment is a faith that has been tried and proven that God has given to him to strengthen him, to bring him to the moment of being called to defend the honor of God. David also had one other thing. He had zeal for the name of God that burned within him. So much that he would fight for God and for his people as a representative of God and a representative of God's people. He would come to the battle to show that the Lord is with us. The Lord has not left us. You've left the Lord because you don't acknowledge him. And if you are the covenant people of God, what does this uncircumcised giant have on the covenant people of God upon the living God? But yet you're living as if he is more powerful than God himself. So it's very important what David is showing us. That there is faith in the battle. That David was not going to fight in an ordinary way. When David goes and tells Saul what he wants to do, Saul then gives him his armor. Saul puts on the armor, puts, uh, David puts on the armor of Saul, and what's David say? It doesn't fit. I'm not used to it. I'm not experienced in it. So I don't need it. I'm going to go as I know. I'm going to go as I've been experienced and used, have used. I'm just going with my staff. I'm going with my slingshot. I can't wear the armor. That tells us all that we need to know about faith. Faith is not going to be designed or crafted in the way that the world designs protection. Faith is going to be given by God as a gift to rely upon the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. So David's faith in God was great. He believed and trusted in who God is and what God had done. And so from that, we should learn that faith will influence our posture in life. Faith's aim, its goal, is not our honor. Faith's aim and goal is the honor of the living God. It is to bring glory to God. Faith is not for me to see that I can overcome, that I become so strong, and that's it. No. 
Faith is given to us to see that when I'm weak, I'm strong. Because everything that I'm showing in my life shows I'm not really strong. I'm weak, but yet I have strength in the one who gives me faith. The one who strengthens me. And so we, if we are going to live to honor the name of God, we need to examine our faith whether or not it be genuine whether it's authentic, because true faith believes in who God says he is. He's the living God. That's what we learn from David. True faith trusts in God's power to deliver and save. True faith is offended at the attacks upon God's name. True faith has experience in God's provision of grace and has been affected by its power. Does the sovereign grace of God change the way that you live? True faith is confident in the Lord's will and purpose, not in our own agenda or design. True faith is powerful and can overcome all obstacles and enemies in this world because true faith has been given to us by God to embrace the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we go to our final point, is to win the battle. What's victory look like? Here in our text, <clears throat> we see the battle that's fought. The battle that was fought wasn't given much time because there, what the text is telling us, it was easy for God to defeat his enemies. What was there had to be the challenge was to show the faith, to proclaim the faith in the living God. And when the battle takes place, it's finished. It's over very quickly. But when we see what victory looks like, David slings, throws his sling, throws the stone, hits the giant in the forehead. The giant falls down. David walks over to the giant, pulls out the giant's sword, and cuts off his head. And the people of God then are encouraged. They're enlivened to fight. Beforehand, they were unwilling to fight. They were scared to fight. They were dismayed, greatly afraid. But now they run after the Philistines, and the Philistines are gone. And then the, when the Israelites come back after chasing the Philistines, they go in their camp and they take of the spoils of the victory. That's what victory looks like. It doesn't just stop there because who David is. David is a foreshadowing and a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. It may offend us to hear David cut off the head of the giant, carried it brought it into Jerusalem and showed it, displayed it. That's not something we're used to. That's not something that we like. But that's what took place here in the Near Eastern time. But David, being a type of Christ, he was pointing to the fulfillment of what was going to take place. Genesis 3.15 tells us about God cursing the serpent. And God curses the serpent and tells him that the seed of the woman is going to crush your head. 
And when Jesus dies upon the cross, that's what he does. Satan used the power of death to torment the people of God. And Jesus took the power of death and cut off the head of the serpent upon the cross. Jesus brought victory, the deliverance of his people, to proclaim his salvation in a way that may bring offense to those who will not bow down to the living God. The cross proclaims the victory of God. The cross is our victory because the battle is the Lord's. So as we live this life, we should rest in the victory of God. We rest in his victory by believing in and embracing the work of Christ Jesus upon the cross. That's faith. Believing in Christ is sitting that everything that Christ is, who he says he is, is true and living according to that belief. We partake in the spoils of Christ's victory. We get to partake and rejoice that the enemy has been destroyed and the gifts of his grace are ours because Christ has preserved them and has kept them, has given them to us. So keep fighting the good fight of faith with your end being the honor and the glory of God. Proclaim what Christ has done in defeating the enemy of God's people, death. Show in your life the power of his victory by living in a way that confounds the wise, but proclaims the power of the cross. Because if you are the covenant people of God, you have the living God fighting for you. And he is worthy of all honor and praise.